ACW is sponsored by Javadi. Self-care through skincare. Javadi is for everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to ACW Podcast. Thank you for joining us again. I am Robin Gabriel Parson, your host, and our co-host today is the one and only Tashina Cole Dunn, our public health commentator. Now, our topic this month is all about the connection of the body through sexual health and self-care. Yes, yes, we are going to discuss a topic that may be a little taboo for some, but it may be spiritual for others. <laughs> now, we will explore the mental, physical, and spiritual components surrounding sex, as well as providing resources to help restore sexual desires. So we're going to be talking about a whole different type of conversations around sex. So let's keep an open mind. Because we want to explore sexual health on many different levels. There's a lot of questions about sexual health, people feeling very uncomfortable to talk about it. But we have our wonderful public health specialists here to bring about information that's in the public in reference to sexual health. So we're going to start there. And then throughout the month, we're going to really tackle a lot of other subjects around sex. So hopefully we'll have a lot of fun and we can open up some minds and just, you know, create a whole new dialogue around sex. Okay, so. With that said, I'm going to welcome Tashina Cole and welcome Tashina. Hi, Robin. Thank you for having me again. It's so good to be here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'm so excited to talk about um, sexual health and reproductive health. I mean, you know, I learned um, a lot in just, you know, reading up on some of the new stuff that's out there and, and, and diving deeper into this topic. So, yeah, I'm ready. And again, thank you, Tashina, for being here, because again, this is a very important subject, and I really want to have this conversation um, again, and I'm just going to just add a little bit to it. I grew up in the 60s and the 70s, and we didn't talk about sexual health. Interesting enough, it was almost like taboo to us, but... Now, because we're in a different time and day, it's time to talk. It's time to talk, mainly because I have a teenager and I want her to understand that sex is not a bad thing, but learning about your body is very important. So we're going to start with um, just asking that question, the difference between, and this whole conversation, uh, audience, we're going to talk about women's sexual health. We're also going to address men's sexual health. So today, we're going to focus on that woman. So Tashina, the difference between woman's sexual health and the reproductive health. Please make a, a, a elaborate on that. That's a, a great question. And it is, it's something that even I have used interchangeably and most of us have heard interchangeably as though they're the same thing, but uh, they really are different, but they are, you know, go hand in hand, right? So they're related. So when we talk about sexual health, uh, we're talking about literal definition, and it's a state of physical, mental, and social well-being as it relates to your sexuality, whatever that may be. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of new information around sexuality and what that means, and we're learning how to be more positive and respectful uh, when it comes to talking about people's sexuality and sexual relationships. And, you know, we're also talking about pleasure that you get from sex and the se- and having safe sexual experiences, right? So we know that that, that aspect has also been um, at the forefront in the last few years. And um, when we talk about reproductive health, 
we're really just we're really mostly addressing um, the functions and systems at different stages of life. So we're talking about you know a woman having a baby and all of that that entails, and of course you know the the man's part in that. So they're they're they very much go together, right? There you need both of them together but they are different. And so it's good to talk about them in their own different capacities because there's a lot to learn on both sides. Yes, yes, you you are correct. That is so true. Now, in reference to women's sexual health, uh, that conversation, I would think, would start at a very young age. And because of this whole new society and the way people looking at sexuality, we're talking very early to our children age nine. So in reps of sexual health, what kind of conversation should we be having? Because we're going to talk about dialoguing and having that conversation. What is a healthy conversation? Well, you know, it, it's interesting. And I'm, I'm learning that as well, because, I, you know, I, I have just the one, um, one son and he's only two. And I'm learning that he even starts, you know, just a few years from now for me. Um, and that was sort of shocking. Um, because I remember being a kid and I remember, you know, watching movies about sex and, but I never really remember being talked to about it until I was, um, you know, old, much older. And so now, I mean, as young as five and six and, and seven, you know, they're starting to have these conversations around sex because kids are hearing it, they're seeing it, everything's so much more available. So we're having to have these conversations much sooner than really what we, most of us grew up with and certainly what we're comfortable with. But um, of course, once your kids start, once your child starts asking questions, you certainly want to address it then. But even if they haven't started asking questions, you can start very early. I mean, you can start as early as five or six or even seven. They're starting to do some of that uh, learning about their bodies and what that means at that age. And so as they start to learn about that, you can start to talk a little bit um, you know, on the surface uh, about sex. It, and it's really going to come down to your comfort level, you know, your your spirituality, your religious background, whatever that may mean for you and your family. But certainly it's something that needs to be talked about sooner rather than later. And, and you are correct, because uh, I'm thinking um, about my grandchildren. And I have a six-year-old granddaughter. And yes, that is very true. They are being exposed at a very young age to this whole sexual type of uh, life. Well, should I say dialogue? Um, and when I, I want to go back to reproductive health, because when I'm talking to my granddaughter, that's kind of where I, I go from. I start with, okay, what is a female's reproductive? So what is it for, um, you know, from having breasts to as from growing as you go through puberty. So I have a six-year-old, so she is asking questions. She's is pointing. So in reference to that, how do we connect when a child say, well, what is that for? Or, or why am I growing breasts? Or what's that reproductive, when it comes to the reproductive conversation, I can't explain to them, well, that is for, you know, when a woman has a baby and you want to feed the baby. So what do you think about that? You know, I, I do think, um, I think that's perfect. And I'm so glad that you, you're having that experience because Otherwise, you know, it, you, we wouldn't really know, you know, you hear about it, but when you have this six-year-old asking these questions, you're, you're, you know, you're put on the spot. So you really have to figure it out. Um, 
I think you're doing exactly what you know you need to be doing, and that's where a lot of the kid, a lot of the schools and um, the kids are learning about you know sexual health. Uh, they're not really learning so much about the sexual health yet, but they're learning more about the reproductive health and sort of just discovering themselves and learning what things do. So yes, your breasts do this and you know your private parts do this. There's different layers of it that they'll learn later. I, I don't think um, that that's something that a six-year-old needs to know about sex per se, but certainly knowing about their body and their body being, you know, um, a uh, uh, temple, so to speak, you know, your body is your possession. Nobody else needs to possess your body. No one needs to be touching you and, you know, ways that make you feel uncomfortable. That sort of thing, I think is important to start talking about when you start, you know, when they're asking those kind of questions is um, what is it, what does it do? And also, you know, who's in charge of my body, you know, mommy, daddy, grandpa, grandpa, you know, it's okay for them to touch me. And when I don't feel it's okay, it's okay for me to say so, you know, because kids have an opinion and they have a voice even at that young age. And I think that's really important is to let our children know that it's okay to use your voice and speak up and, and say when you don't feel something is, is good or bad. So yeah, I think that, that that's perfect. I mean, that's certainly where I got, you know, where I was taught was, you know, learning about what my body is. And that's what my mom and grandma and aunts talked to me about was what it's for. Um, not so much the sexual aspect of it, but certainly what your body parts are for and what that means. And, um, and, you know, it, it's interesting and we'll kind of delve into this, you know, a little bit more, but, you know, the idea that every woman's not going to have a baby, right? So that, you know, that's the, the, the pathway that we're taking now is trying to take this, this label and this pressure off of us as women that you are made only to procreate and you have to, and if you don't, you are somehow a lesser of a woman. Um, that's a deeper conversation. And, you know, as they get older, um, that's something to add to that talk, right? Is yes, you have these parts and they can do these things, but they also can do other things. And, and if you don't choose to have a child, that's okay. That doesn't mean that, you know, you're any less than, um, than, than someone who does. So, you know, I, I definitely think starting simple and basic, but having that open dialogue is super important. Yeah, you're correct. Now, women's sexual health, because that's our, our focus. And we're going to talk about it throughout the lifespan, because there's a different experience for a woman who's 20 compared to a woman who is 70. And we want to be really kind of open with these conversations, because as, as you mentioned, Tashina, you know, your body will change as we go through our life cycle. Um, sexual experience may change. But my whole uh, approach is I I really want the listeners to understand, especially our young ladies again, because again, like I said, I have a teenager and I want her to understand a woman's sexual health uh, and understanding that masturbation or, or things that may have sound is fearful or scary to some is nothing wrong with it. If you understand what is that all about? And this new day and age now, you know, our young people are so more open compared to my generation. Uh, and then we're going to talk about that when it comes to sexual health. As I mentioned, you know, growing up in the time I grew up, it, it was almost a, a taboo to even talk about sex. I, I never forget, Tashina, you know, 
we were in a, a mindset where if you kiss a boy, you might get pregnant. So right, right, right. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So this this conversation is definitely a healthy conversation. Of, now, sexual health for women. Let, let's talk about the things that they should be aware of, or, or what is it that they should be doing in terms of taking care of their bodies, making sure that they're healthy um, when they make a decision. If they want to experience or have that act of uh, a relationship. So what are some of the things as a woman that you should be taking care of that, you know, the public health sector may have information on? It could be something simple as understanding your menstrual cycle. So kind of elaborate on that. Yeah, so that's that's that is really important, right? So we always want to start from a place of health and and use starting um, as a young woman, even before you have sex, understanding your body. And like you said, your menstrual cycle, um, once you have that and, and keeping track of that, understanding how long it is, um, keeping yourself clean um, uh, or cleaning, cleaning out your um, vagina after you have, you had your menstrual cycle, after you have had sex, you know, there, there are ways to do that. And we grew up, you know, learning how to douche and that's, you know, what's on this at the supermarket is not what, you know, you should be using, but there are ways and there are products on the market now that really do actually add to your vaginal health and help maintain what we call a good balance of um, a good pH balance, right? So, you know, water is pH is neutral and we want things to not be too acidic and we don't want them to be too alkaline. There has to be a balance. So you need to have enough good bacteria to fight off the bad bacteria. And so part of what douching does, the ones that you will find at the grocery store for the most part, a lot of them strip out all of your bacteria, good, bad, and ugly. And so a lot of times you end up with at least, at the very least, a yeast infection and, and at the worst, a bacterial infection and maybe both. Um, and so what you really want is uh, to get some good probiotics. You can either do the, the pills. They even have um, uh, suppositories and I myself have used those and they are awesome. I mean, they are life and life changing, game changing. I mean, I, you know, gone to the doctor so many times over the year and they give you the same thing that works for a short period of time. And then it recurs, recurs, recurs. And, and what's on the market now, um, they have, um, Bork acid pills and different pills that are specific for vaginal health and target the specific um, bacteria and flora that we need. And it's a game changer because it gives you that power, right? So you're not, that power is not in a doctor's hands who's just kind of trying to figure out things as they go along. It's in your hands because you know your body uh, the best. So that's going to be a, a, the basic, um, a great starting point to make sure that you have a healthy vagina um, and doing that after your period is really um, important. And it's a good way to keep that that balance um, maintained and doing it after sex, um, whether you use condoms or not, especially if you don't use condoms, but uh, that's really important to maintain that vaginal health. And anytime you, you know, you, you feel that need and just really paying attention to that, really paying attention to what's going on down there and, and your fluids are different throughout the cycle, you know, um, and, you know, when you work out, the sweat, so, so you know your body. And that's really what, 
you know, we say is to know your body, as they say, know your body, know yourself. That's really a thing, right? Know yourself, know what's going on with you because you cannot advocate for yourself um, if you don't know what's going on with you. In response to what you just said, Tashina, in reference to the whole refreshing and detoxing your private area, there is a method I've been following that's quite interesting. It's called a yoni refresher. I don't know if you heard about that. I have. Yep. Yes. And very interesting. And it's a lady, she's a lady on YouTube and I'll send the listeners her, her YouTube channel, but she does all of these herbal type of uh, feminine cleansers, which is really, really cool. It's a yoni detox. It's like a steam. And she takes you through this whole uh, instructional type video and how to do a feminine hygiene routine using the yoni uh, method. Um, pretty, pretty interesting. Um, love it though. And it, it's something cultural. Um, if, and when you look at it, it's something that you can tell that it's something that's been implemented through the native Indian culture. And we're going to talk about that to culture and sexual uh, uh, health, but um, you are so correct when it comes to that whole detoxing, refreshing, and staying feminine. Oh yes. That's um, uh, it's similar to uh, the, I don't know the specific name, but I just went to the Korean day spa and I had a vaginal steam bath and it's exactly that. Um, I mean that, and they've been doing that, you know, people around the world have been doing that since the beginning of time. Um, and it's, you know, it's having a resurgence now over the last decade, but it's something that I do. Um, I started back doing, and I try to do every once in a while. Um, you can even buy the herbs and do it at home and make your own little, um, vaginal steam bath. And that's a great detox for your vagina. I mean, it's, it does so much more than just detox. Um, it's great for, um, if you have any sort of bacterial, uh, overgrowth, if you're having dryness, vaginal dryness, if you are trying to get your vagina back tight again. So, you know, in addition to doing the kegels, the kegels, uh, exercises, whichever way you want to say it, uh, that is also a great way to help tighten up your vaginal walls. I mean, there's so many benefits to it that um, go beyond just the detox, but the detox is really, um, it's and it's a great experience. I mean, it's something you have to get used to because it's heat and, you know, not used to having that down there can be a little bit, you know, off-putting or uncomfortable at first, but once you do it, you know, most people fall in love with it. So listeners, you heard uh, heard it from us. Try that yoni refresher <laughs> steam. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but uh, now, in reference to conversation, because again, uh, sex is for some reason is a crazy conversation. It's almost like religion. It's like, what do people get so on edge? Or either it can go to the left or it can go to the right. So mm, right. I, I just I just believe that, it, it, and we already made comment to it, starting at a young age, talking to our young people and not just women. We're talking about women, but we're talking about men too, in reference to their sexual health. But we want our women to understand, you know, your own body, take care of your body, uh, make sure it's healthy. So what organizations are there that's available for young women to have a comfortable conversation? Again, a lot of young girls are not comfortable with their moms. Are, so what are some of the resources? So, and that's a great question. So um, there, there are a couple um, that I'll 
that I'll talk briefly about. So there's one organization and it's called Power to Decide and they were founded in uh, 1996 and their main objective was to target teen pregnancy because that was really, um, had become an epidemic around that time. And now teen pregnancy is way, 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 way down. But what's still um, up and sort of going, trending up is unplanned unplanned pregnancies across um, age groups, women in their 20s and 30s having unplanned pregnancies. So that's really the more of their focus. And they have um, grassroots uh, in different parts of uh, the country. And so that's a great place for young people to go and get um, learn more about what's local for them. There's things online that they can see. Um, you can call and talk to someone. You can call and talk to someone locally. So that's a really great resource. Planned Parenthood, of course, as most of people know, <coughs> excuse me, is a great resource. And they have, I mean, you know, everything that you can really think of in terms of really have that access, access for people who don't typically have a lot of access. <clears throat> they have online um, care, online videos, but you can also call and, and speak to a local counselor, meet up with a local person in your area, a local Planned Parenthood center, and go and talk to someone if you're a teenager, <clears throat> whether it's about your relationship or specifically about sex, if it's, if it's about birth control and you know everything in between. If you're having gender identity issues, you can go to Planned Parenthood. So uh, it, it's, a, it's a great organization for that great resource. And then there is an organization that sort of came out of that from um, a medical director who was at Planned Parenthood. And it came about in 64 and it's called SECUS, uh, Sex Ed for Social Change. So their primary directive is really trying to, you know, fight for for women's uh, reproductive rights and fight for, you know, LGBTQ um, rights and, and um, justice, right? So it's it's under the umbrella of social change as it relates to our sexual health and sexual education for those that have often been underserved or underrepresented when, it, when we're talking about those things. Thank you. Yes, yes. Um, so there is a lot of information out there for our young people, and not just even our young people. Let's talk about let's talk about this sexual health during the lifespan now, because yes, you yes. know we, <laughs> there there's still a lot of education and learning around that because your body changes. Your body changes in your twenties, your thirties, your forties, your sixties, your seventies, your eighties. Guess what, people? Yes, people are still having sex in their eighties. <laughs> Yep. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So in reference to that, let, okay. Twenties, sexual health for twenties, women in their twenties, very vibrant, very uh, uh, fertile, very full of energy. So even having those characteristics as a young person, you have to be very careful in reference to your sexual health because here come STDs. So let's talk a little bit about our twenties. <laughs> Right, right. And you have this, you know, this sense of I'm invincible, right? That's, that's what happens in your 20s, your teens, your 20s, like nothing could happen to me. Everything's great. You know, the whole world is at my fingertips. So you have to be more aware in your 20s, because that is the case more so than not as you get older, that yeah, there are STDs, there are, there is unplanned pregnancy that can happen. And so and what, what also is the case in our 20s is 
you know, young men are more easily excitable, right? And they're turned on a lot easier. And so, and, there's, and their testosterone is really high. And young women are, were, um, uh, we have better lubrication to let, let me say it, you know, for the, for the podcast, uh, it's, it's a lot easier for us to have sex. And so there's, it makes it, uh, a lot more tempting to have more in sexual encounters with people, um, because it's just easier. It's more exciting. It's, it's new, you know, so you do have to be, um, aware more of, you know, what, what could go wrong, right? So protecting yourself, wearing condoms, using birth control, knowing who your partner is, knowing what their past and their sexual history is. Um, and, and, you know, of course, knowing about your own personal sexual health and hygiene, you know, making sure that you're in good shape so that you can have healthy and enjoyable sex, um, so that's what I would say for men and women in their 20s is just to really mainly look out for um, and make sure that you are protected and make sure that you are communicating with who you're having sex with and know you're, you know, have a voice, you know, make sure that you're not getting yourself into any situations where there's, you know, sex and alcohol can really create dangerous situations for young women. And that's something, you know, we can talk about um, the, the sexual trauma aspect of that, but that's mainly what I would say. And then for, you know, your thirties, right. That's when we have, you know, more of the childbearing years, right. Right. So, so, you know, a lot of women are having typically have children in their thirties. Uh, and so that creates a whole different set of things to be aware of in terms of your sexual health. It's not just the enjoyment of the sex because a lot of that gets taken away by a new baby. And physically, you may not even be able to have sex for a while, but once you are able, you know, your body's different. Um, your body feels different and mentally you feel different in your body. So sex is so much, um, is so mental. A lot of us don't realize that, especially when you're younger, it's so mental. And so if you're mentally not there and you're not healthy, getting to a sexual place with your significant other, your partner can be very, very hard, if not impossible. So that's really important. Um, I think for women in their thirties who are having children or thinking about having children is to be aware of that. And then once you have the children to still maintain that awareness and take care of yourself mentally so that you can take care of yourself um, and your partner physically and sexually and enjoy sex and, you know, exhaustion is a big deterrent for a lot of women in their thirties running after children or child and, you know, trying to work and do all these things that we do, you know, you don't even have the energy for sex. So finding time for yourself to make sure that you are rested, make sure that you have me time so that you want to enjoy that part of your relationship with your partner you know, that's going to be super, super important. And, you know, we have to make ourselves priority. Otherwise, we're not good to, to anybody, right? Right, right. You're so correct. You're so correct. Now, and as we go to through the lifespan, 20, 30s, and now into your 40s, it really changes because, um, you know, 
just based on, you know, me having kids in my thirties and as time goes on, um, building that relationship with your partner is very important because what's going to happen is as you go through that lifespan, 40, fifties, sex is going to change. It's going to really be about how strong that relationship is because now your body's changing. Um, as you mentioned, you know, when you're younger, it's easy for you to probably be more lubricated, but as you get older, your organs change. Um, unfortunately men deal with a lot of prostate issues starting in forties. So that's a whole nother conversation in reference to, uh, sex with women in their 40s and 50s with their partners and maybe the partner may be dealing with something maybe you that woman may be dealing with something so getting over that so women in their 40s 50s what do you what do you think some of their uh, walls may be when it comes to sexual health well you know robin you and i spoke about this briefly so it, well certainly in your 40s you're starting to get closer to menopause so hormonal hormonally you are your body's changing your metabolism has slowed down you know, um, speaking personally, you know, it's not so easy to just lose a couple pounds and that scale just doesn't change overnight. So you got to really work at it, you know, and, and it, it's a struggle. I mean, I've struggled just losing a few pounds because it used to be so easy and now there's more effort that has to go into it. Um, and so there's that aspect of just things that you can't control inside your body changing and that changes, you know, that changes in terms of your sexual health. So, you know, like you said, you, you have more vaginal dryness. Um, so you do have to use maybe more lubricant than you had to use before. That's a thing. And that may be something that can cause an issue, you know, in your relationship with your partner, because, you know, um, he or she may feel inadequate in some way because of that. And that's where communication comes in and knowing that it has, it's not a me, you, it's an us, we're exploring this new chapter together and this is what's needed for us to enjoy. Um, and also looking at other natural ways to enhance, you know, your own lubrication. And, and like you uh, mentioned, the men having prostate issues or even having blood pressure issues and taking blood pressure medicine, taking medication for diabetes, all those medications that may now be in play in your 40s and 50s can wreak havoc on your sexual um, appetite, not just your desire. I mean, not just your physical um you know, that you may not be able to get an erection, you may not be able to get lubricated enough as a woman, but also, you know, you may not have that drive to even have the sex, your libido goes down. So, you know, all of those things are, can come into play in your 40s and 50s. And that's why, you know, again, you have to have that communication, having that strong relationship outside of the bedroom, where you can really talk to your partner and feel safe and comfortable and, you know, and, and tackle the problem together, whatever, whichever, you know, it may be for you all. Now, something you said earlier was interesting when you said, well, uh, sex was all mental. And that is something we definitely have to bring to the forefront because as you age, we're talking about sex through your lifespan, 20s, 30s, 40s, and then you get older and you start looking at your sex life differently and you start looking at you and your partners have a different kind of connection. It's really mental because as you get older, 
like I said, the organs are going to do something different. You may not be able, you may need a lubricant. And guess what, audience? We have something we're going to recommend, but that's another conversation. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but what you said is, is correct. Um, that mental, physical, and spiritual components plays a major role as you get older, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. And I don't even say getting older. I feel like young people in their 20s, 30s can also connect if they're taught how to. For sure. If you don't, For sure. Right, yeah, if they don't lead with their organs and lead with a mental connection, then that could be something that could be achieved at a very young age. But who teaches that? Who shows, you know, individual? And and, and we want to talk about culture, too, because there are cultures that do set their young people up to uh, into a sexual life, which is very healthy. And it starts with the mental. It starts with um, understanding your body and understanding that this is not a, a, a sinful act. Right. <laughs> it, it, exactly. It, exactly. So we're going to talk more about that. And, and let's kind of go into that whole sex and culture thing. Um, I was reading this uh, article or just doing some research and I was looking at different cultures and what I found in some cultures, there are actually ceremonies and rituals that get our young people ready for that type of life. Um, so let, let's elaborate on that. So what, as a public health, uh, and you brought it to the forefront before and reference the resources are out there, but what other resources or community kind of programs they may have for young women? who might just want to talk about a sexual, a healthy sexual lifestyle. So, um, so yeah, so the organizations that I, uh, that I mentioned earlier um, do, do all those things and they run the gamut in terms of your, not just your sexual health, but your gender, your gender identity. Um, if you're struggling with, you know, your sexuality uh, itself, the Planned Parenthood, SICA's Power to Decide, they all have avenues for young people and they're really geared um, and started for specifically younger people, teens and younger people. So they spend a lot of time, research and effort and resources on um, having um, that information readily available for young people in a way that they'll receive it. So a lot of it is uh, virtual and anonymous and you know you don't have to be ashamed you can go and talk to someone in person and you don't have to worry about people finding out so those are really great organizations and of course you always can um, you know go to your your community health department if you have if you want to uh, get more um, resources when it comes to birth control, um, family planning, and things like that. But I would say uh, start with some of those the, some of those organizations that I mentioned, Power to Decide, Planned Parenthood, and Picas, and um, they branch out into other local uh, communities, and they have grassroots organizations where, where you are, especially where there may not be um, a lot of resources in general because it's maybe more rural and less populated. They can give you access and information as to where you can go and either talk to someone in person or, you know, right now maybe more so over the phone and more virtual still um, in a lot of areas. But um, those are great resources. And even when I was a, a, a young girl, Planned Parenthood was a resource that 
you know, I knew people who you, I didn't use it, um, but I knew other, you know, of my friends who went there who had, you know, issues that they didn't want to bring to their parents and, you know, or who had unplanned pregnancies or whatever the case was. So I really think, um, you know, those, those are, those are organizations that I, I definitely think are, are positive and, and good resources for young people. And, and I agree with what you said, you know, it's, it's not just about older people connecting on a deeper level. Everyone should, you know, can and should seek to do that. I think when we're younger in your twenties and even in your thirties and certainly in your teens, you don't understand what that means in real life. You know, you know, conceptually, yeah, I should, like this person, but when you're in the thick of it, you you can forget that, and you kind of learn as you go. Like, oh yeah, uh, now that we don't have sex, it's, the relationship kind of sucks, you know. And so you learn that as you go on. Um, but having that instilled in you early on, and having people, you know, around you who love you, who support that idea, you know, can really, you know, change. You know, you can start that change and and reduce a lot of mistakes, a lot of relationship mistakes as you get older. Yes, you're correct. Interesting, uh, something as you were talking, I was thinking, again, I'm a mother and a grandmother, and I'm in a whole new society when our young people, when it comes to young people and, and sexuality, because even with the conversation with our young women about sex, I don't want young women to think that they have to have someone else to pleasure them. That's another conversation we need to have. There is self-care. So understanding that also, that it's okay. Because a lot of the times when a lot of young women get into relationships, be it sexual, that partner become very possessive. It's like this possession thing now. So um, understanding that aspect is important. What I found in growing up 60s, 70s, culture has a lot to do with how people approach sexuality or just sexual health, period. And I just hope that some of these barriers can be broken down and people can feel more comfortable and free. Um, as I mentioned earlier, as I was researching, many cultures look at sex in a very pleasurable way where for some reason, us Americans look at it as a sin or something, you know, that we shouldn't do unless we are producing uh, our children. So do you feel culture really plays a major role? Um, a hundred percent. And I think culture and religion are sort of overlapping in that regard. Um, Cause when you talk about a lot of that, the idea of, you know, what I would consider oppressive um, in nature when it comes to sexuality and particularly geared towards women and oppressing a woman's sexuality. Um, a lot of that comes from uh, religion and religion gets tied into cultures and, you know, there's Christianity and there's Judaism and there's Islam and that's global all over the world. And you'll see a lot of the same dynamic where it's, you know, it's shamed for you to even have sex, to even think about sex and to, you know, pray away your thoughts of sex. And, you know, that that's is changing, but that still dominates a lot of um, cultures all over the world. And certainly in America, we're not immune to that. Um, it plays a huge role. I mean, that's where a lot of us learned how to and how not to 
be sexual, right? Like masturbation. You don't do that. Your hand's going to fall off. God's watching you. Don't do that. You know, <laughs> um, you know, so it's all of that. Um, it, like you said, kissing a boy, you're going to get pregnant. Uh, you're going to seem loose. You know, people are going to think this about you. And most of that is geared towards the woman. The responsibility is on the woman. The shame is on the woman. Um, and that's something that I really feel strongly that needs to, that paradigm, you know, is shifting and needs to continue to shift the, the idea that, you know, we're equal. So if we're going to be equal, we need to be equal on all fronts as, as much as possible, right? So I don't have any more shame, you know, when I have sex than a man. And I don't have any more shame if I masturbate than a man, you know, um, that that's something that it's like a given that men do. But if a woman, when we don't talk about a woman in masturbation, we, we certainly didn't used to, we, we do more now. Um, but culturally, culture and religion really kind of tie into each other and play a huge role um, in terms of our sexual health and knowledge. Uh, we can go on and on and talk, but we're going to kind of end our conversation because <laughs> we have more to talk about. We're going to add next episode. We're going to talk more about, you know, enhancing your sex life, um, giving you different ideas and products. And so we're going to make it fun, but we want people to understand. Let's educate ourselves first, you know? Yes, absolutely. Yes. And I'm excited for that. You know, the, the fun stuff. Yes, yes, most definitely. So thank you, Tashina, for coming and again, always providing such valuable information from the public health sector um, audience. I hope you were able to take all of this in. This is going to be a continuation conversation. We're going to talk about sex on many levels. As I mentioned, we're going to keep it real fun. We're going to talk about women, men. We're going to have women and men talking together. So I just feel like it's time. Let's have this conversation. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I'm looking forward to it, Robin. Thank you so much again for having me. And uh, I can't wait for the next session. Thank you. And listeners, as I always say, live life with intention, purpose, and love. Until next time. Thank you, Tashina. Thanks, Robin. Bye-bye. Bye. ACW is presented by Partnerships in Fitness, a fitness and health and wellness consulting group, building strong minds and bodies and empowering one community at a time. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our Pifnola YouTube channel and leave questions or comments. You have been listening to the Awareness, Culture, and Wellness Podcast. We thank you for joining us and we hope that you tune in to our next Wellness Wednesday as we discuss topics that heal the mind, body, and spirit. Until next time, I'm Robin Gabriel Parson, your ACW podcast host. ACW is sponsored by Jabadi. Self-care through skincare. Jabadi is for everybody.